So if you're a Virginia Cavalier fan, or frankly a Virginia Tech fan, when it comes to your football coaches, I think I know the answer to this question. Do you believe now? Huh? Do you believe now? I have a feeling it's something similar to this. Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. But the reality is, is maybe I don't speak for everyone as we start the fast lane here on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app. However, let's buckle this down in one direction, and that's Virginia. Tony Elliott, head football coach for Virginia. I want him to succeed. Like, he seems like a guy that is embodying what the University of Virginia in its best virtues cares about the the true student athlete experience caring about the university and what the university's mission is but it also seems like he's not close to delivering the results necessary and it's kind of unfortunate because schematically they actually look like a team that's made improvements from the first game of the year the loss to Tennessee to game four not just being in games and seemingly getting better defensively with John Rodzinski even though he's a, a little bit of an odd bird of a different flock so to speak when it comes to how he handles the media hey to his credit he at least is out there and is answering questions even if he's not really answering them and then Des Kitchens the offensive coordinator laugh at his schemes all you want I, I can make a compelling case that Anthony Calandria, when he's not making the YOLO ball plays, as people call the you only live once type plays, the interceptions actually has moved the ball fairly well, despite being a true freshman behind an offensive line that has not really improved from last year to this year and having no semblance of a running game at all. So that's the part that's encouraging for Virginia. It's just all the other issues that pop up. Special teams, it doesn't seem like Virginia can ever get that part figured out. Whether it's missed kicks, whether it's mistakes at the end of the game, more on that in a moment, and then the fact that there are mistakes at the end of the game. And Tony Elliott, this was yesterday, after having had a chance to stew and sit on what transpired in that final minute or less than one minute of game time action against NC State, the loss on Friday... Here's what he had to say about the penalties. And in his eyes, different from those sound bites we played the other day, Fast Lane, Ed Lane, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram to weigh in or wherever you listen to podcasts if you want to do the old Deion Sanders thing and keep receipts. And guess what? We keep receipts. Because the thing is, this is what Tony Ellie had to say with the benefit of hindsight. So I think it's different circumstances. You know, I think the only one, uh, if you look at the three, uh, would be the one on tie. You know, and that that was something that guys in the trenches, it was chippy all night and the referees were were coming over on both sides and saying, hey, cut it out, you know, and and, and and rightfully so. You know, there was an underlying, you know, situation there that 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 made it a little bit chippy. Tony Elliott, Virginia head football coach. That's yesterday. That's not after the loss against NC State. That was yesterday with the benefit of having seen the film, reviewed it marinated on the loss and in your eyes if you're a Virginia fan hopefully moving on to the game against Boston College this week but here's the thing the only one he finds fault with is the tie furnish penalty the offensive lineman who punched back after getting into the altercation and Tony Elliott rightfully so bringing that up but he had a chance to elaborate on this yesterday about the penalties being different from 
the 22, the 2022 that is, loss at Duke where Virginia committed multiple penalties, including a number of dead ball foul penalties. And so those are different than the, the, the penalties that we had, you know, at Duke. And so uh, each one of them will be addressed uh, a little bit differently, uh, but, but still uh, unacceptable. And what I always tell the guys is, man, don't put it in the hands of the ref to make a call. Right, live above reproach. And so the one that's most frustrating is, is, is the one between Ty because to me that became a more of a personal you know, situation there. Uh, and he's very remorseful and, and, and got caught up in the, in the heat of the motion. That's, I mean, the, the heat of the game with emotions, that's part of football. Uh, but you gotta, you gotta be able to stay uh, within, within the lines and you can't, you can't let somebody else force you uh, to get out of character. Uh, but the other two, uh, those, are, those are different than, than the ones uh, per se up at Duke. The other ones are different. I disagree with that from Tony Elliott. And obviously he's paid to be a head football coach and that's the guy that knows more about football in terms of X's and O's and the in-game locker room and dynamics than I will ever know. But I was on a conversation today with a guy named Andy and it was fascinating because you know he's frustrated with Virginia. He's a big Virginia fan. Frustrated with the penalties that have popped up. And it mentioned that all of them really are inexcusable and that he watched the end of the game when Virginia was making that march down the field, trailing 21-13, to 13, with the anticipation of what could go wrong, and the anticipation that it wasn't just going to be something going wrong, but it was going to be something unconventional. And sure enough, three penalties in the final minute of the ballgame just embodies that for Virginia, and it embodies the frustration. And I disagree with Tony Elliott that the only inexcusable one is Ty Furnish retaliating. That's part of it. But there are other areas that could go out there. One of them, the Jackson penalty, the linebacker who was in on special teams, leaped over the line. Here's what Tony Elliott had to say about that penalty. We just got to be smarter right there. There's a guy that's being desperate, wanting to make a play. You know, if you're going to jump, you got to already be in the line of scrimmage, right? You can't, you can't take a running start. So that's Tony Elliott. Not excusing the Jackson penalty, but you got to be smarter than that. And then Tony Elliott elaborating on the Anthony Calandria penalty where his helmet was coming off and then he took it off while celebrating at the end of the touchdown drive. Uh, Calandria, you know, I don't know what to tell him, you know, other than your helmet's partially coming off, you just made a big throw, you know, you, you, you put it back on or... But I think it's one of those deals where, you know, it's coming off. You know, he takes it off the rest of the way. It's an unbelievable play. He's excited in the moment. The ref sees what he sees. He throws the flag. I can't be mad at the official. He's got to do his job. But, like, I, mean, what, I don't know what I tell, tell the kid, you know, because, you know, emotion. We all got emotion uh, in that moment. I can't be mad at Calandria. I don't know what to tell the kid because we've got emotion in that moment. And... The only penalty that really upset Tony Elliott was the Ty Furnish penalty at the end of the touchdown drive, which backed up the two-point conversion. Not mad at Anthony Calandria for his penalty, taking the helmet off while he's celebrating the two-point conversion that resulted in the unsportsmanlike conduct, the short kick from Virginia on the ensuing kickoff that allowed NC State to return it, and then, of course, get in field goal range, and the field goal that was blocked by Jackson was nullified because of the Jackson penalty. You're only upset at one of the three? I mean, that's the part that frustrates me. Again, I want Tony Elliott to get the benefit of the doubt. I want him to succeed. Like, I know it doesn't sound like it, but I admire what he stands for 
in an era where it's all about me for so many in college athletics, coaches, players, everyone around. And it's been that way for a while. It's just more pronounced with the transfer portal and name, image, and likeness making it easier than ever before for players to transfer. But let's go through this for just a quick second here in the fast lane. When you're looking at Virginia and those penalties, the first one, Ty Furnish, you've got to script scenarios and go through it in practice. If you have intense practices, things are going to get chippy with each other. To their ever-loving credit, and it's not like things are going spectacular in Blacksburg, and that's the example that we should point to for Virginia, that, hey, Virginia Tech is doing it better, so you should model them. But to Brent Pry's ever-loving credit, they had the incident where there was the fight in training camp this past year, and he threw the offensive lineman out of practice. So you can rep it to get practices intense when players are tired of hitting each other and they're physically, mentally, and emotionally worn down from the rigors of camp, and you keep practicing to prepare for what that's like in a game when you're making a comeback or you're in a high-leverage moment because that's kind of what you're doing in practice, you can do that as a coaching staff. That's when you get the opportunity to coach it up. You need to create those situations for your players. Where's that with Virginia? And then the other ones, just game management aspects. The Jackson penalty. In the special teams meetings, and I have no clue what's going on in those at Virginia because, again, they have been horrible on special teams in a number of areas. Punt coverage hasn't been great at times. Kick coverage has let them down. They're not getting much out of their turn game. Field goal kicking has let them down. Then, obviously, this penalty pops up. But if you're running it productively and correctly, even if you know nothing about kicking, and that seems to be the hardest part for special teams meetings because kicking is its own art. The other parts you can rep going over the basics. And one of the basics it would seem is on PATs and field goal tries, you cannot jump over the lineman to block. It's as basic a rule as there is. Where is the preparation? Once again, that falls on the coaching staff. And a step further, the Anthony Calandra. I can't be mad at the guy for celebrating. If you're a quarterback of a team, I understand Calandria is a freshman. He plays with a lot of fire and emotion, frankly, for a team that could use as much positive energy as they can get right now, trailing in the season standings, zero wins and four losses. They're 0-4 on the year. So he brings a lot of that. But as a coaching staff, I can't get mad at him. No, 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 no. Isn't that a growth area of opportunity? Isn't that a spot where you can point out and say, hey, when you're in the heat of the moment, you have to learn how to control your emotions and you have to have situational awareness about something like that. If I'm off my rocker, please let me know. Fast Lane, Ed Lane, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram to chime in. We've got feedback already that we'll share 555 today here in the Fast Lane or 545 today right before the Fast Five at Five-ish. And after our chat, by the way, on this with Brad Franklin of CavsCorner.com. But you've got to rep these type of scenarios, whether it's your starting quarterback, your backup quarterback, in the quarterback meeting room. Part of the job and you're compensated the best in college football from an NIL perspective if you're a good quarterback, and you're compensated the best at the professional ranks if you're a franchise quarterback, it means you have to be above the fray, and you have to be able to keep your emotions in check when other people are not. Is it hard in the moment? Yes. But to whom more is given, more is expected. Quarterbacks, more glory is given than ever before and more in the immortal words of our guy Kenny Powers whether it's in NIL in college or in flat out contracts in the professional ranks dollar dollar bills y'all more should be expected as well and in college more 
Dollar, dollar bills, y'all. Go to the coaching staff. And if it's going to the coaching staff and you're getting the most... Dollar, dollar bills, y'all. As Kenny Powers reminds us, then you need to be taking the steps to prepare your team for these moments. In quarterback rooms, in their own isolated area, this is the type of thing. Hey, when everyone else is celebrating, you need to calm your team down. When it's in a two-minute huddle offense situation and players may be celebrating a big play to get down the field, you've got to organize this. Isn't this the type of thing you should be practicing? Preparing for it, practice, getting yourself in that spot. And I get it, the face mask and the helmet were coming off of Anthony Calandria. But you draw attention to that by celebrating after you get the two-point conversion. I understand the heat of the moment and the emotion. And maybe I'm an old, crusty-duddy individual at 37 years of age freaking out about this. I'd like to think I'm not, but maybe I am. And that's why you need to have this type of discipline in your program if you're Virginia. And again, maybe I'm off my rocker. Maybe I've absolutely lost it. And if I have and I'm too crusty, please let me know. I'm not offended by it. Fast lane, Ed lane. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. But to me, it's a glaring issue with the Virginia football program. And I want Tony Elliott to succeed. They've actually made a lot of progress offensively and defensively. Not special teams, but on offense and defense schematically. But these type of mistakes, and then compounding them by what's said after the game or in midweek press conferences, only compounds the issue. And again, I like coaches that speak. It's good to have them speak. Frankly, it should be part of the job. But that's where I would say I disagree with a coach who obviously knows more about football programs and X's and O's from an internal standpoint from how they operate. But we're not comparing them to me here in the fast lane or to Trey. We're comparing them to his peers in the industry who are doing a better job than the 0-4 Virginia Cavaliers. Speaking of doing a better job, are you ready to do a better job with your health? We're ready to help at InsaneRadioDeals.com. Crosswide Athletic Club individual couple and family memberships now come with a $50 gift card. To Fleet Feet Roanoke. Good at any Fleet Feet, by the way, uh, from Fleet Feet Roanoke when you shop at InsaneRadioDeals.com. And if you want to register for the Star City Half Marathon in 10K coming up in mid-November, keep that momentum going that you might have built up from whatever fall race you have going on, or maybe even the Salem Half Marathon in 8K coming up in a couple of weeks. Guess what? You can continue that journey as well at InsaneRadioDeals.com. When you buy an entry into the Star City Half Marathon in 10K, you'll also get a $50 gift card to Fleet Feet Roanoke. Now, there are other things we need to get to on a much more positive note as we have a chance to get into the weeds on the Liberty Flames. Let's get into the weed. (coughs) Smoke weed every day. Excuse me. Let's get into the weeds where we take a dive into different sports topics here on the Fast Lane. If you listen to head football coach Jamie Chadwell and what he has said throughout the year, this would not come as a shock. But Liberty's game against FIU, I don't disagree with Jamie Chadwell when he brought it up. It's a 38-6 to victory. You held Florida International to six points. Your offense jumped out to a 14-0 lead. You make plays on special teams that it's not clean or perfect, but... I think it's clearly the most complete game the Flames have played all year. Yeah, it was the most complete one we've had, right? Typically, we've, we've started off well and we've hit a lull, or we've not done as well and then we, we figure it out. With the exception, really, that one drive, you know, with the, after we threw the turnover and gave them some momentum, I mean, our defense was lights out, and they, they really didn't threaten down there. And um, so uh, just with the energy, with the effort, with the game plan, I thought our guys had a great plan. Uh, we made that quarterback have to try to beat us from the pocket, and he couldn't do it. 
And so uh, that was good to see. And uh, hopefully, you know, going into this open date gives us some really confidence on that side of the ball. It should for Liberty. Because if you look at their first two games of the year, they jumped out to the early lead against New Me- against Bowling Green in the season opener. And then, obviously, special teams had the miscue with the block field goal that was returned for a score. And New Mexico, or excuse me, Bowling Green, getting the ball to start the second half of that game and going down and cutting it from a what was initially a 24-7 to game. Block field goal makes it 24-14. Field goal makes it 24-17. It's a one-possession game. Liberty stretched it back out, but they hit some lulls in that particular game. New Mexico State, they started slow. New Mexico State moved the ball well initially. And it wasn't until Liberty had that nine-minute drive, nine-plus-minute drive in a third quarter where they held the ball for over 11 minutes in the second game of the year where the defense was good, but the offense masked it by just holding the ball the entire game. And even the game at Buffalo, where Liberty raced out to that early lead, Latter stages of the first half. Liberty gets away with what I thought was a fumble. Should have been called at Buffalo, but was not. It was reviewed, and it was actually upheld, and I was surprised that they did not rule it a turnover. But that could have given Buffalo more momentum. And Liberty scores, and they stretch the lead, but defense kind of let Buffalo hang around just by making some big plays and going into more of a shell look. You haven't seen a complete game out of the Liberty defense until this past Saturday at Florida International where Liberty jumped out to the 14-0 lead again. And yes, it's easier playing from an, an, an a from a lead. And Liberty did that. But Liberty played a complete game. They shut down FIU. They never really allowed that quarterback for Florida International, whose name escapes me right now, to do anything with his legs. They made him try to carve up Liberty passing the ball. And he wasn't very effective at it, obviously, because when... FIU needed points as that game wore on. He just couldn't dissect the defense that Liberty had. And it's a good defense, but you're four games into a new defensive scheme with a lot of new pieces. I would not imagine this is something as complex as, oh, a Belichick or a Mike Tomlin defense with multiple layers. So you just dared him to, and he just couldn't. And they did play with a different level of energy. I absolutely think that's a case that you saw. And we'll get into this a little bit later because it's worth doing another end of the weed segment, but... The value of Kennedy Charles to Liberty, and, and I know we've touched on him before in the story where he has had opportunities to have transferred out of Liberty and take bigger NIL deals to go to other Power 5 programs, and he didn't. Wanted to stick around at Liberty, and yes, he's got an NIL uh, setup with the Flames Rising Collective, but he could have made infinitely more money going somewhere else, and he did not. And he, that type of dedication, plus the ability to back it up with your play, has made him a leader. And the defense looks more juiced and gassed up in a good way. Not gassed as in out of energy, but gassed up with fuel because of Kennedy Charles. And it frankly masked it in an odd way, whereas in a couple of other games, the offensive explosion masked a defense that was coming into its own and a special teams unit that had its fair share of flaws. The order was flipped this past Saturday evening. Special teams and defense were tremendous for the whole four quarter. I think offensively, we left some plays out there, obviously turned the ball over, had some some penalties. And so uh, sometimes we're shooting our, ourselves in foot offensively. But um, but I was pleased overall with unbelievable effort. We came out here with a great mindset and really uh, you know took some crowd away from them right again early. So I was pleased with that. But uh, we're getting better each week. And if our defense will play like that and we clean up what we're doing offensively, Uh, We'll continue to to get better and continue to march toward a Conference USA Championship. Plus 140 
That's the number to remember. Not something that Jamie Chadwell said after the win against FIU. We just played that. But Liberty now is tied with Western Kentucky. I think justifiably so. At plus 140. 1.4 to 1 odds to win Conference USA. Which is a very good probability. And it's justified. Western Kentucky still has offensive explosive weapons. They played a real challenging non Conference schedule, Troy was in that. Obviously, the trip to Ohio State, who looked a lot better than I thought they would against Western Kentucky. Uh, Thank God that was not in our votes of confidence a couple of weeks ago. But those two programs clearly are on a crash course to be at the top of the Conference USA standings. But Liberty should have shortened up. They've answered a lot of their questions. They have not played the complete game. Florida International was the most complete game. But they still had moments, this time it was offensive lulls, not defense or special teams miscues and mistakes. But it's by far not the most complete game, and that's a scary thing for Liberty that they can actually get a lot better. And you know, I think obviously at 4-0, it's easy to say this as they're entering their bye week, but they're on pace to cruise over that 8-9 to nine win mark they had in the regular season. Lost to Western Kentucky on the road? Definitely possible at the end of October. Slipping up in another spot or two? Sure. But... Liberty's in a good spot right now in part because you're starting to see now what a complete team this team can actually be. Meanwhile, back to a team that's far from it, the Virginia Cavaliers. Are we too harsh on them or not? Brad Franklin, CavsCorner.com, will join us next in the fast lane, plus so close yet so far away from another big five-star recruit for basketball. All that's still to come. This is the fast lane on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app. And yes, keep weighing in. Fast lane, Ed Lane, and Trey Lyle VT. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram.